and gentlemen, welcome back. Take two here. Uh, we actually recorded an episode earlier today. Not too hot. Just going to reevaluate our energy levels and get back to it here. We're adding a name to the list as well. Cam Seibert, Joey Alberti, and Devin Dobik here for the eighth iteration of the men's basketball show on WMUA Sports. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. And why don't we just start things off by letting you know that today's episode is presented, as always, by Hot Table Panini. Hot Table Panini is located on Route 9 in Hadley and has been serving the Pioneer Valley since 2007. Customers can try out a variety of limited time options like the Cranberry Turkey Club, the Pumpkin Bisque, or Harvest Salad. Like I say, a limited time only. Uh, along with the Hadley location, Hot Table serves stores in Springfield as well as Connecticut. Their hours are 11 to 8, Monday through Saturday, and they look forward to continuing to serve the Amherst community with specialty paninis hot off the press. More information is available at hottable.com. Love Hot Table. Uh, appreciate their support. But let's jump right into things for Men's Basketball Show Episode 8. There is some news surrounding the basketball team. We've been kind of waiting on this. Of course, a lot of our topics of discussion have just been hypotheticals, what to expect. Uh, but finally, we've got some news. Actually, maybe first we should check in with our guests here today, Joey and Devin. Joey, we'll start with you. How are things going? Happy Tuesday. Happy Election Day. Yeah, just uh, just voted earlier today, so that was that was fun. I got in and out pretty quickly, which I was really happy about. Didn't have to wait in line for too long, but this is probably going to be one of the more hectic days of November, I would say at least. I don't even want to say more hectic days of the year because this has been the most hectic year of probably – most of our lifetimes but yeah it's it's going it's going as good as it can be yeah election day as same as joey got in and out of there pretty uh quickly was pretty good um definitely going to be an interesting couple days uh whatever happens we are going to have quite the uh backlash um by the end of the week uh hopefully we can keep that under control and and just band together and unify, but only time will tell. Um, but yeah, excited to get a show in here. I actually missed the fluke show while I was voting, so I guess that kind of worked out. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting time in history where this could be one of the most divided presidential elections of all time. Obviously, I'm only 22 years old and haven't seen many elections myself, uh, but in terms of the split down the aisle, it feels like there's never been a more divided country than right now. So hopefully things stay safe. I mean, it, it, again, it's a big hope because you see people in like New York and these cities in Boston boarding up a lot of these establishments, getting ready for chaos to ensue because you know that no matter who becomes president, there's going to be people upset with uh, the outcome. So, I mean, here's fingers crossed to the country staying safe uh, with all this going on. I mean, it's, it's a tough time, but you got to hope that at some point we can kind of round the corner here a little bit and start to, to love each other again on both sides of the aisle, regardless of uh, differing opinions. I mean, that's kind of what makes our country so great, I think. So it's unfortunate to see uh, that being the reason for our, our I don't want to say our demise, but uh, it seems like things are just trending in a worse and worse direction. Uh, everybody kind of needs to just just love each other, man. That's what it's all about. Spread love. That's what we're trying to do here on the men's basketball show. So spread some love. Uh, but we'll jump into uh, what we're here to talk about. UMass basketball, the Minutemen. And like I said there at the beginning, some news coming out finally surrounding the team and their scheduling. Uh, still no official schedule set in place, but news has come out that they will be playing at Bubbleville, uh, Mohegan Sun here in the end of at the end of November. From November 25th to December 2nd, they will play 
uh, two teams in in their pod as of right now, De- uh, Delaware and Siena. Um, and I mentioned it earlier today on the episode that's not going to make it to the, to the light of day. <laughs> Last year, UMass basketball played at Mohegan Sun in a similar tournament. Uh, didn't have the, the titling of Bubbleville. Uh, they, they played the defending champs last year, Virginia. Also played St. John's. Ooh, might need a little help here on the last team, but that one was at the Mullen Center. It wasn't at Mohegan Sun. Regardless, this is kind of the kickoff to their season, of course. I mean, these will be the first games they play. It'll be the first time fans and the media get to see this, this rebuilt uh, UMass basketball squad that is so highly touted and has such hype surrounding it. And I apologize for going on a little bit of a rant here, but I want to ask the question to you guys, how important are these opening games and how important is it that UMass comes out with a win with all the expectations surrounding them? And how likely do you think it is that they come out with a win in these games? I guess, Joey, we could start with you. Uh, So I guess I don't want to downplay uh, a loss, but I don't think it's going to be a make or break type of deal. If UMass doesn't in fact lose, um, so I guess like, I think they started their season last year, five and zero, which is great. But when you look at the level of competition they played, and I guess you could say somewhat the same about Siena and Delaware, they both had winning records and were solid within their conferences, but they're not upper tier level power five teams or even good, like really good group of five teams. So I think it'll be a good look at what UMass will probably bring this year, but it's not going to be the whole entire work piece of work. So I think it, it'll just, it, it'll stand for something of just like a little taste test before the real deal gets uh, in, in effect when we play a 10 teams. Now, the way I see it, as much as you want to make a statement early on, we've been shown uh, as of last year, what did the Minutemen start out five and oh, granted they didn't play the strongest teams, but they started out five and oh, and then they ended up, you know, kind of tailing off a little bit. So the first few games are crucial, but will they necessarily tell the story of how the season's going to go? I don't know if you could exactly say that. Um, so I think UMass has a chance to come out strong, set the bar for themselves, but then they got to be able to maintain that bar, which is what they failed to do last year. And I think uh, amidst everything going on and all the work they've been getting in, they're going to come out uh, ready to go, and, and we're going to see a good team. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I might err on the other side of the argument there. Where I do agree with you guys, obviously a loss or two doesn't completely derail the entire season. I do feel like with some of the expectations for this team, with the talent level they have, uh, the goals that they probably have set in place, that getting uh, off to a good start here against some some, some pretty mid-major schools that you should probably be beating uh, if, you, if you want to put yourself in the upper echelon parts of the Atlantic 10, I, I'm going to go ahead and say they need to win these games. Uh, I think Trey Mitchell obviously is building on a great year last year. He's going to have to come out and, and play well, but it's also going to be the fact that now he should have some help around him more than more so than last year with TJ Weeks back, with Carl Pierre still on the team, uh, trying to reroute what might have been a little bit of a slump season in his junior year. Guard plays upped itself. Uh, forward plays upped itself. You, you have to expect that UMass comes out strong early on in the season, uh, tries to make a little bit of a statement in some big games. Um, and, and I mean, with with less non-conference games on the schedule, it's pretty important to win those ones, uh, especially come the end of the year, if you're going to be trying to make the tournament. Those are the kind of games that uh, the committee will look at on whether or not you get your bid. So I w- I'm going to go ahead and say it is pretty important that they win these games. And obviously a lot of inexperience uh, with some of the newcomers, they're going to have to kind of learn quickly 
uh, before conference play comes around because we know the Atlantic 10 is so strong as well this year. Um, but we'll move along maybe and take a look more so just at the actual the matchups themselves. Joey, earlier today, you gave a pretty good rundown, a little scouting report on the teams. I don't know if you want to do that again. I guess we could start with Delaware uh, in the, the Blue Hens. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so... Uh, Nate Darling has their their best player from last year committed to um or declared for the draft I should say it doesn't look like he he's gonna get drafted I the only team that I saw that had interest in him was the Raptors but it's not the point he averaged 21 a game he was a really good shooter really good scorer in general but now they're without him and they're also without Justin Mutz who was their second highest scorer and also their leading rebounder so they're left without their two best players from last year, which obviously is not ideal. Their two best players returning, or their two highest scorers, I should say, are Kevin Anderson, their point guard that leads their team in steals, is probably their best defensive guard, and then Ryan Allen, who usually plays the two. And he seems more of a, a Carl Pierre type, in a sense, where he's just a, a shooter primarily, but he can can do other things. So those two will be leading the path. And then they have uh, Dylan Painter, the Villanova transfer. He'll be uh, one of the big men along with Colin Goss. And then those four will probably be the four primary guys. I can't say I know too much about who they recruited in. Um, I'm not a master on the Delaware recruiting cycle, but <laughs> they, they are in a little bit of a rebuild to say the least. Yeah, I was just doing a lot of research on Ryan Allen, and and he looks like a solid scorer, uh, kind of like a bigger TJ Weeks. You know, he's got a little size to him, 6'2", 200 pounds. Um, so definitely uh, going to be a force to reckon with, um, and he's going to give the UMass defense a lot of work and a great playmaker. And I also, Joey, piggybacking off you, the Kevin Anderson uh, comparison to Carl Pierre, I, I love it because – Carl Pierre, a guy that can pop off, but he also has some slow games. This guy's right there, too, kind of right in the middle. Um, definitely can shoot. Average about 12 a game, and um, he's definitely going to be – their uh, backcourt is going to be uh, truly amazing and exciting to watch uh, when they square off with UMass. But the big man position, I'm not exactly sure uh, what they're – they got a lot of young guys. It, it kind of is like freshmen and then red shirts and then red shirt senior or – graduate students there's I'm not seeing there's a couple juniors but not too many uh guys that really have made a name for themselves so I'm going to be interested to see what kind of guys we're seeing uh in the front court it's going to be cool right and obviously teams getting ready for UMass they know now about Trey Mitchell and that's going to be a big point of emphasis when it comes to scouting I kind of agree with you guys. I mean, I'm looking up down, up, and, up and down this roster for the Blue Hens, and yeah, they have some size. They have sizable guards, not like UMass doesn't now with guys like Kyra McCrory. Um, but will that will the size match up? Maybe, but will the skill match up? I don't know. I mean, I think so much of what we've talked about with UMass is their depth up and down the roster, guys with talent uh, in every position. Do the Blue Hens have that? Maybe a little inexperience at spots. Uh, that's and that's like I said, that's kind of the big question for me. Will they be able to keep up with UMass if UMass decides to up the pace of play? I mean, if they're driving and kicking for threes, so many guys to worry about on the perimeter now, and that's kind of the big question mark as well. Is who's going to fill in and help out Trey Mitchell this year? Will it be TJ Weeks? Will it be Carl Pierre? Does No Fernandes start to to score or facilitate more? Like who's going to step up and help out? Uh, and I think that's going to be a telltale sign of these first two games is who steps up to help Trey Mitchell. Uh, so obviously you have to think the blue hens are going to pay attention to Trey, 
Uh, will they be able to, to pay attention to all the other weapons now that UMass has at their disposal? That's what I'm wondering. And, and yeah, can they really match up? I mean, they do have the size. You look up and down this roster, 6'5", 6'9", 6'9", everybody pretty much over six foot. Uh, forwards all around 6'10", and, and, and the one forward, Dylan Painter, at 6'10", 235. But, I mean, we talked about earlier today, too, on that first episode that we did. It's like, can this Dylan Painter, can redshirt senior, sure, he's got some experience, but is he ready for the footwork uh, in, the, in the different ways that Trey Mitchell can beat you, whether it's passing, like I say, footwork, or is it out, outside of the perimeter and burning a guy to score a layup with a Euro step? So many different ways Trey Mitchell can be effective. Can these guys keep up with that? That's, what's, that's what we're going to have to wait and see. And it's exciting that it's finally set in stone with a date and we're getting oh so close to it. Uh, Mohegan, like we talked about earlier today as well, is a great place, a great venue to host something like this with the, the casino, obviously housing a hotel with places for players to stay separated uh, on their own floors, whatever, in their own hallways. Uh, and then when it's time to play, they can get out to the court and hopefully nobody tests positive. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Of course, the other matchup is Siena. Um, and for this episode, again, episode eight, Cam Seibert, Joey Alberti, Devin Dobick, we are only going to go about 30 minutes. Uh, we got some other stuff to get to today. I just had to take a, a journalism law test that, that really... I'm surprised I can even create thoughts after all the brain power I just went through. I mean, really, that was, it was pretty brutal. Uh, but we're here on the men's basketball show. I think we're going to take a short break now, early break, and then when we come back, we'll have a hard-hitting second half for you guys. But I appreciate everybody tuning in as well. Election day here in the United States. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, we're trying to t- make use of the final moments of peace before things all hit the fan. Uh, But we'll be right back after a short break from our sponsors here. Don't go anywhere. WMUA Sports. Stay tuned. For more than 25 years, residents in the five college area have been getting food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Almost every local spot in downtown Amherst is available to eat without having to leave your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at DeliveryExpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. And welcome back to the men's basketball show here on WMUA Sports. We told you a little bit in the first half about one of our sponsors, Hot Table Panini, but cannot forget about Delivery Express. Delivery Express, as well, is located in the Amherst area. Uh... Definitely should be interested in picking up your food with Delivery Express. More than 85 different restaurant locations to order from all throughout the Pioneer Valley. They also have offices in Northampton and Springfield. More information available at DeliveryExpress.com or by calling 413-549-0077. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but ordering from home has definitely been the move during the pandemic. No reason to go out to your favorite restaurant when you can just have it from the comfort of your own home. I don't know why you wouldn't just use Delivery Express, especially... If you're trying to get something a little better than that junk food that you might get through a Grubhub or whatever, you can get Delivery Express and you can get your favorite classy restaurants like a pasta, pasta, 
Bueno Isano, whatever your favorite spot in Amherst is, definitely think about picking it up with Delivery Express. But we'll get back into things here. Men's Basketball Show, Episode 8, probably the eighth time I've said that already this show. Uh, we are talking about the news surrounding UMass basketball. They're going to be playing at Bubbleville at the end of this month. Uh, a slate of teams expected to play there, but UMass will be taking on Siena and Delaware. They all share the same pod. Uh, we just talked a little bit before the break about Delaware and what to expect from that matchup, but we'll go ahead and jump into Siena, a team that had a pretty solid season last year. They finished 23-10. and 10. They finished on a 10-game winning streak, which is pretty impressive. UMass as well had a pretty strong end to their season. Of course, Trey Mitchell notably averaging 23 points in his final nine contests there. Uh, but, I mean, Siena set to make a little run towards their postseason. Unfortunately, their tournament gets canceled there similar to UMass's game being canceled against VCU in their tournament. Everybody kind of had a rude awakening to the end of the season. But we'll jump right into the matchup itself. Joey, you gave us a little scouting report on Delaware. Why don't you do the same for Siena, who have another great mascot? I actually am what I mean, I know it's a dog here. What is it? The Siena Saint. Anybody help me out? The team name is the Saints. Right. Saint Saint Bernard Saint Dane? What is it? What kind great of dog? Is Saint Bernard. Yeah. Saint Bernard. Yeah. Joey's got it. <laughs> right, Joe. Oh, they do have a, a primary score in uh, Jalen Pinkett or Pickett, I should say. He's going to be a junior. He's a, a taller guard at six four, not not too tall, but he averages fifteen points and six assists. Also leads the team in blocks, just with one, and also a steal. So he kind of he has a presence on both sides of the floor. Uh, more of a volume shooter. Uh, but he shoots 37% from three with being a volume shooter, which is okay. And then he also – he only shoots like seven, not even 70% from the free throw line, just coming in at 69%. So um, it's kind of kind of an odd combination there. But they did lose their second highest scorer in Elijah Burns, who was also one of their primary big men. He averaged 14 points a game, only – uh, grabbed a couple rebounds a game though. Um, so Manny Camper is going to be the the main guy to watch down low for the Siena team. He averaged 13.7 points and 10 rebounds a game last year. He's he's kind of their, uh, like I was just saying, their primary big. So I'm intrigued to see if that's who they end up matching up against Trey. But they do have some big men transfers coming in that I would not be surprised to see guarding Trey just because Manny Camper has a 40 pound and two inch uh, disadvantage on Trey Mitchell and probably a lot less skill if I were to take a take a wild guess but Manny Camper and Jalen Pickett are going to be the two primary contributors for the Siena team and I think Siena will be a much more difficult competition for UMass than Delaware would be yeah, Siena's just a much more well-rounded team than Delaware. And, I mean, it's always tough to follow such a great insider as Joey Alberti because pretty much took the two players that were glaring out on this roster from me, um, Jalen Pickett and uh, Manny Camper. Uh, definitely, they combined for just under 30 points a, uh, per game, the two of them, uh, last year. And then they have a few guys that are 6'10", but not really – big standout players, more just role players. Um, but they definitely are able to get a lot of rebounds with those tall guys. Denzel Shugang probably butchered that one, uh, as well as Kyle Arrington, uh, the senior. So those guys will be able to rip down some rebounds. Um, and with these guys scoring and running the floor, um, 
Siena's going to be a tough team to beat for the Minutemen, especially considering they closed out on that 10-game winning streak. Uh, they got potential to be a solid team. Right. I mean, we can look up and down the stat sheets, and we can tell you who averages the most points, and those are the guys to pay attention to. Obviously, we go to UMass, we cover UMass, we know the most about UMass. Uh, but a, a question I'd like to kind of pose to you guys is I look a bit up and down this Siena roster. You see four freshmen. You don't know that really any of them, whether or not they're going to be playing. Um, but obviously more freshmen, more younger players on UMass's side. And just a general question about the Minutemen this year. How do you guys see these these inexperienced players coming coming to the next next level here as, as college players? How do they make that transfer? How much does it help uh, having already known each other through like AU as well as Woodstock Academy? Obviously, we know a lot of players coming from Woodstock and knowing each other from there. Uh, how do you see some of these younger players for UMass making the transfer? And if I could throw in my two cents to just start, I, I think with just because of the things I just said, the Woodstock uh, a guy like Javon Garcia, who doesn't come from Woodstock, but comes from Brewster Academy, which is another great academy, uh, one of the best in, in, the, in the country. I feel like a lot of these guys, although they weren't playing college basketball, obviously, until they got to this point, they were playing very high uh, competition in their earlier stages. And I feel like the chemistry has to be pretty good uh, with the way the bubble things are working out and everything like that. And like I say, knowing each other from Woodstock, I have to think that they kind of they, they skip a step uh, and they're, they're almost more game ready than the average uh, freshman or, or newcomer to a, to a squad. But I'd, I'd love to hear what you guys think of that. How do you feel like the inexperience is going to play a factor this year for UMass? Yeah, I honestly really like the way you put it in terms of saying they skipped a step. Obviously, it's a multi-step process, and a lot of freshmen come in just from different schools, potentially even different parts of the country, just not knowing each other at all and not knowing uh, each other's tendencies and things like that. And those are things that are just so important on the court. So just being able to skip that step, I think, will be huge for UMass. And obviously, that's not that's not the final step. They still need to get out on the floor together on a, on a college basketball team instead of a high school or prep school team. So it will be a little bit different, but I do think it is advantageous at the very least for them to have come from the same school. Yeah, I think it's a huge help. Uh, I'm a chemistry guy since day one. Um, and I think having these guys uh, that have played together and have the experience together is going to help a lot for UMass because they already kind of got their feet wet with, uh, you know, playing together and, and proving that they can be a powerhouse. Um, with that 39-2 and two prep team they uh, had at Woodstock. So um, I think it's all going to be about how the game translates. Um, I'm really excited to see how it works out, um, but it is really nice to be able to say that a lot of these guys are from the same area. But hopefully, I mean, yeah, they're all from the same area, but you know, are they going to be able to put together the same uh, team that they did at the prep school at the Division One level and have an outstanding record? Only time will tell. Um, hopefully coach McCall can help them out there and yeah, we'll see. Right. And I mean, you come to a new team, you kind of have to figure out what your role is going to be. There's been, there's guys who are already here who, who maybe are more in line for um, increased role or increased production, stuff like that. You kind of have to know your place and, and yeah, f and figure your way into a lineup. Uh, obviously, we saw last year guys kind of evolving throughout the year. Most notably, a guy like Preston Santos jumps out to me and the way he evolved into more of a scorer and a starter. He got more minutes, uh, start to have more production. Uh, started the season, obviously, as more of a defender, yeah, and, and evolved. We obviously saw Trey Mitchell evolve in a lot of different ways. We saw TJ Weeks kind of break out of his shell pretty quickly uh, in the first half of the season, and obviously a lot of people excited to see what he does now in his second year. But, I mean, 
I know I'm rambling and I don't really know where I'm going with this thought, but what's coming to my head right away is just, again, just so much hype uh, surrounding the year. I feel like just, just in terms of the team knowing that they have a, a pretty big opportunity here in front of themselves to make something happen as well as with the fan bases and with, with the media. I mean, you just, you can see up and down the roster how much better this team has gotten before even seeing them get out on the court. Uh, but, but I'm wondering now too, and I'd like to kind of pose this question to you guys with the final couple, couple minutes of the show. Uh, how do you, how do you see, a guy like a TJ Weeks or, or like a Preston Santos or even Trey Mitchell, who we obviously know has a ton of the hype. How are they going to handle it this year? I mean, what what do you th- what are you thinking? Do you think TJ is going to live up to it, or what's what's it going to be like uh, when the game when the lights turn on and you're out on the court at Mohegan Sun? How are these guys going to react to the pressure? That's that's a really good question, and I feel like we can't answer that question with certainty. We can say that we think Trey Mitchell will step up and be able to shine even when the bright lights are all over him. And TJ Weeks will be able to emerge that second guy to Trey Mitchell and become that that really good shooter to uh, to help Trey. Same thing with Carl Pierre. We could say he takes that next step, but we just don't know. So I've, I, I, I don't, I don't want to really guess and just say that like he, they won't be able to live up to the moment. But I, I do think Trey will not be um, – I think I think he'll improve from last year, and I think he'll improve notably. Well, he's got big shoes to fill. I mean, he pretty much is what they're building their team around, and uh, you know, so it's going to be a make or break year for him. Hopefully, he can live up to the hype. But I mean, we always talk about this team as if they're the '86 Celtics, and fact of the matter is, I mean, it's a Division One college basketball team that was around the 500 mark last year. So you know. We got to kind of have a reality check once in a while, but we definitely have high hopes for uh, what we've been hearing, all the reports we've been hearing, uh, the inside uh, from our insiders, as we like to call them, all those reports that have come together. Um, So we definitely are very high on them, but like, unfortunately, I wish we had the answers um, to everything in the future, but only time will tell. That's the fact of the matter. I hear you, Devin, kind of pump the brakes a little bit there, Cam. I mean, (laughs) how are we supposed to know? I'm a big homer myself, but sometimes I just got to be like, you know what? Maybe, maybe the Pats aren't going to beat the Chiefs this week. Things like that. (laughs) Yeah, this year's Pats aren't beating anybody. (laughs) Uh, But a couple minutes left, so we got a few more minutes. Last question. I kind of posed this to Joey earlier on. We'll try to keep our answers pretty quick here. Uh, Who's a player? We talked about him last episode. Some of the the less talked, lesser talked about players: the Kyra McCrory, Mark Gasparini, Ryan Marcus. DeAndre Dominguez, Ronnie DeGray group, some of these new guys that people might not know a lot about. Um, but who's a player for you guys that might really excel this year? Someone who's under under uh, spoken about, I guess, or, or a surprise player for you that, that might have a breakout year and have a bigger impact than people might think. I think the, the player that will surprise people the most is Javon Garcia, just because I think he's talented on all three levels offensively and a, a good enough playmaker to be able to have people respect him in that sense. And I also think he's a good defender. And I just think he's a good all-around player that's a really good scorer. And he will be a lot more dangerous than people are expecting him to be for this UMass team. I think we're going to see a breakout year from Preston Santos. I'm excited to see him getting a few more shots and and being relied on more as a weapon on offense. Um, he's proved he can play defense really well. And he's 6'6", uh, so you can play uh, – small ball with him at forward or you can you know 
put him back into the backcourt and, uh, you know, give Pierre a rest. But I think he's going to be relied on a lot more heavily, and I'm excited to see uh, how that works out. But then in addition, Ronnie DeGray, the forward, uh, the freshman, I was just listening to uh, what he was saying. There was something on the Instagram, UMass Basketball Instagram, and he sounds really optimistic. He's excited, and he thinks they got a great group this year, and I think he's going to be a large part of that, uh, battling for a starting spot and contributing to that competition um, and it's going to be really awesome to see how uh, both those guys turn out. Yeah, Devin and I obviously kind of spoke on Preston Santos there for a second. I was going to say the same thing with Preston. I appreciate you saying that. The guy I'll also go with, Cairo McCrory. Um, I just think at his size, at his position, 6'5", playing guard. Uh, we talk about the versatility of this team. I actually asked Coach McCall how how excited he is that he's going to have more guys who can score with the ball in their hands and create off the dribble, he said, more importantly, he thinks they're going to have more guys who can defend off the dribble. And I think Kyra McCrory is, is one of those guys uh, that he's talking about. And I think when you're trying to do things defensively, if you're going to be running a press, whatever it may be, to have a guy as versatile as Cairo who can who can fit in in all these different ways, he can play the wing, maybe even slide him down to the forward with a smaller lineup. I just think he's a, a utility player that's going to fill in, in a lot of different ways. And also with that, he's got a lot of bounce. He's got a lot of energy. Like I already talked about his size and his length. I think he's going to be a flashy player who can throw down some hammer time dunks uh, we're gonna have to watch out for him on the fast break um, a guy I'm definitely excited to see how he kind of pans out and how his role on this team uh, evolves but we're getting to the end of things here we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up uh, again I want to thank you guys for coming on men's basketball show episode eight you can continue to hear this show every Wednesday on WMUA at 11 a.m. Uh, you can also catch it on Spotify check out our Spotify page WMUA sports um, but again thanks to you guys for coming on to do it Thanks for the listeners for tuning in. Happy Election Day to everybody. Hope everybody stays safe out there uh, and as well as staying healthy. But other than that, that's going to pretty much do it for this episode. We'll catch you next week. Have a good one and stay safe.